Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Event Brew. We're so excited to have you all here. I'm more excited, I think, right now to be sitting across from three other amazing individuals. Tui Deep from Hot. Nick Borelli from All Seated. Also, hey. And Dustin Wesley from One Last Events. Also, hey. (laughs) And I just want to clarify that I said A. Oh, cool. cool. Oh. With the cool kids. That sounds Canadian. It's very Canadian. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everybody might know who I am. I'm Will from Endless. Yeah, Events. everyone knows who you are. That's a Sometimes. great, yes, humble that's great. place to start. Yeah, that's really, no, that's really sweet of you. No. Way. Like, here's, my, here's my three unknown friends. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, no, you got. I picked you guys because you guys are more popular. You guys make me look popular. Yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so on Event Brew, we always talk about what we're drinking in our cups. So let us know right now. Starting off with Dustin, you just got a fresh beverage. What are you drinking today? I did. So today we have Skona Gold Kolsch, and it's made by a brewery named Alley Cat. Let me Ooh. tell you a little bit about this Alley Cat. Great brews from scratch, Edmonton's original craft brewery. Edmonton is just north of me. Yes, it gets further north than (laughs) where I am. (laughs) And uh, yeah, they're celebrating 25 years of making brews. And uh, yeah, it's a nice Kolsch on a Monday. Nice nice and fresh. Feeling pretty good about it. Ooh, delicious. Delicious. All right, let's see. Tui, can you top Dustin's fresh beverage? No, well, this is one of my favorites. It's just organic yerba mate, but it's the orange flavor, so it just tastes Ooh. like a, a healthy organic high C mm. that gives you energy. So that's what that's what I'm I'm coming to life with. After you guys say what you're gonna drink, I have a pop question that's gonna be random that we, that you guys aren't gonna see coming. Oh other God, than the fact that I told you it's coming right now, Nick. Wait. What are you drinking right now? <laughs> uh, also fresh, my fourth can of uh, flaming hot Mountain Dew of the day. Flaming uh, hot. Whoa! Mountain Dew. Wait, you're drinking Mountain Dew again? Do we need like? No, I've never man? stopped. I just he's not <laughs> drinking Mountain Dew. He's drinking flaming hot. Flaming Mountain hot. Dew. Like Dew. that's right. Like flaming hot Cheetos. Uh, yeah, they they own the, they're on the same company, uh, so there's some corporate synergy happening here with Mountain Dew with a blast of heat and citrus. A blast uh, of heat and citrus. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, if you ever wanted to know what pairs well with your uh, flaming hot Cheetos, flaming hot Cheetos, you get the uh, flaming hot Mountain Dew with it, and you're uh, living that life, that flaming hot life. Miss the opportunity on the can. They should have um, little fingerprints for all the cheesiness. Just to no. really elevate that experience. Just mm-hmm. free, free advertising for people. Or they put uh, it on the rim of the cup, kind of like when you get a oh, margarita and salt it. You know? yeah, sure. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Rimming your Mountain Dew with Cheetos. I mean, 
hey, that sounds just, like a lifestyle. <laughs> no, this doesn't sound good, guys. <laughs> well, let me bring it back on, back to the to, out of the trailer park. Out of the trailer park. Um, I, so I'm drinking. <laughs> I am drinking cachava. It's like a meal replacement smoothie. I have not eaten lunch yet, so this is what I'm drinking right now. Uh, it's chocolate flavored and has a, two bananas and a scoop of peanut butter in it. So wow, look at you go! I know. I'm so proud of me. I, though I, I I took like two weeks off from working out, and now I'm, I really got to get back on the on the horse. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, so I got a pop question for you guys. This isn't related to the show or anything like that at all. But um, what was your like go to drink as a kid that you definitely would not drink now? So you mentioned high C. So I was thinking like, who the heck drinks high C anymore? So what's a kid? Like what, uh, like, uh, uh, uh ten oh, years and us. younger, because like you at ten oh. you might start drinking liking coffee maybe and normal adult ten. beverages. Drinking coffee not like ad- ad- not alcohol beverages when I say adult beverages, oh, but Lord. I don't know. I don't know. But I when you're like 10, coffee. Don't you just get what's given to you still at ten? No, you can. You definitely make your own decisions at ten. In the U.S., we can make decisions at the age of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the, the age listen, of consent of snack. Listen, there's certain things you can't make decisions about up there in the U.S. right now. So, uh, that's true. That's very oh. true. Yeah. Um, that's I a don't, real pivot. I don't yeah, know. Good question. I, no one was prepared for that one. I, I, I drank I a lot of like a child every day so it's very difficult like my kids oh i thought you said you could see a child i was like Jesus <laughs> Lord. i mean i a lot of a child's worth of food you know like the weight of a child maybe but uh no i i, I eat yeah i eat trash that kids eat all the mm. time like my kids you're still are, you're still living your youth that's that's the key yeah. turns out his parents gave him juice when he was like growing up and that's why but, he's like reverted to like mountain Dew. <laughs> toys r us kid here just uh <laughs> I think there's yeah, a know. lot of Kool-Aid in my house, which is yeah, just Kool-Aid's disgusting. Not I never now. did Kool-Aid, like, yeah. There's so much sugar. I mean, there's sugar in everything you drink. But I definitely drank a lot of Pepsi as a kid. And even as a teenager, I couldn't figure out why I had such bad skin. <laughs> 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 Might have been the diet. Lots For me, it's probably like powdery drink would be like Crystal Light. We did a lot of Crystal Light. That's pure sugar, too. Have you ever had a Crystal Light Slurpee? No. Yes, so good. What? Okay, that's what yeah. we're doing after this. That's my next uh, episode's drink right there. All the drinks that I had as a kid that I wouldn't have now are only because they don't exist. So, like, mm. uh, you know, like Ecto Cooler and uh, Crystal Ooh. Pepsi, Surge, Jolt Crystal Cola. Pepsi, yes. Jolt yeah. still exists, doesn't it? Jolt's tough to come by. Okay. Uh, certainly the flavors are. Like, you may be able to find cola in specialty retailers, but, like, you certainly can't get a lot of the, the really great Jolt flavors. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I drank, I've consumed trash for so long. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> well, let Crystal Pepsi be your answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't now, drink Welcome now. to the stage, Crystal yeah, you Pepsi. <laughs> Stripper joke. <clears throat> Tui, you got anything that you used to drink <clears throat> as a kid that you would never drink now? I'm a little lame. I would say like the Tropicana orange juice with calcium in it because I didn't really dr- drink milk. What about like sunny? Wait, like, Tropicana milk? make purple made, stuff? Wait, Wait, milk? Is Trump no, no, orange- they made orange juice, but they had one that was a blue cap that was for calcium, like added calcium. Oh, what? But do you yeah. drink normal ca- Tropicana now? No, no, I don't drink only a wholly organic too much sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Chewy wouldn't get caught dead with a Tropicana. It has to be fresh, squeezed, and organic. All right, you guys. Yeah, she's from LA, and she hasn't mentioned that in a while. We, I remember that Tropicana was like the healthy, like oh, it has pulp. It's like oh, hey, look pulp. how good the bowl. Oh, the, no pulp. The, 
Oh, my oh, gosh. I, I like a little pulp. I like a little pulp. What? I don't want yeah. to chew. Pulp, are you a, sure. Are you a crunchy peanut butter kind of guy, too, Dustin? No. I, oh, I like no. I like creamy peanut butter more than crunchy, too. Mm. Do you like pulp in your uh, like your shower? Is that good? A little bit of pulp? I don't even understand that. What? And let's go into the topic for today. <laughs> what? what is pulp in your shower? That was my, that was my favorite transition ever, Nick. We're going to have to Really hard water. I don't know that you can call that a transition. It, really yeah, I know. Water. Arizona has really hot water, hard water. But I don't oh, think we have pulp. Oh, we have really hard water here, too. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely pulp in everything that takes water. Coffee machines, humidifiers, <laughs> lots of pulp. Got you. Um, all right. So let's, I guess I will continue with that awkward transition. Um, so today's topic um, actually comes from an article that we found on the interwebs uh, on Pro Global Events website. They, they argue why three-dimensional metaverse events are the future of events. And it was a pretty, you know, events industry, we don't really like come hard down and create stances on things like that. So let's uh, debate it. Do you guys think that, so I thought the debate was, are three-dimensional metaverse events the future events? Luckily, we have an expert with us here today, Mr. Nick Borelli, who talks oh, nothing about the Nick. nothing but this. So hopefully, we don't make Nick talk too much about it. So I'll kick it off with um, no. Tui. No, it's, no, it. great. We wrapped it up. Good job, guys. <laughs> One for Wait. no. No, I. Oh no. Okay. I just. Let's see. I, I can't with this article. I just can't. I get it, <laughs> but I just can't. What like okay. what exactly? What, what exactly? <laughs> oh, that's all I have. That's, that's all, that's all I have. Has. I'm gonna let okay. Nick, articulate. Gonna let Nick go, and Nick's gonna open this thing up no, for us, and then yeah, come on. I'm definitely do that. Let's let's hear everybody's opinion before you hear the arguments from each other. So because then that way we can create like a see if anybody's mind gets changed by the end of the episode. So Tui, what's your opinion on it? Yes or no? Whatever Nick decides. Sass. Are we talking metaverse like via Meta? Via no, Facebook? no, no. Like me metaverse just... is a term bigger than just Facebook and Meta. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I would say, I would say yes in regards to like the virtual aspect of it. But I'm looking forward to learning more. Okay. All right. I, I say, I say yes as it will, it will play a role. I do not think it's the future of events. I think it is going to play think... a role, and there will be opportunities to do it really, really well. The sentence why three-dimensional metaverse events are the future of events is a dumb sentence. Right. So it like, should be that, like a future part of the events. It's Maybe a clickbait. Yeah, it's a clickbait question because it, it 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 makes it like devoid of context. You know, then it's like usually these these things are written and then um, you read it and then like very quickly they go, well, not really, you know, and it's like, ugh. You know, like you, you were in control of that. So it's like bait and switch. So the, the answer, like it, it goes into it is pretty, um, I don't know, justified and pretty balanced. And then the, the sentence leading into it isn't balanced because the future events makes it seem like there is a future or it's definitive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it what the metaverse will be part of the future of events. I would say categorically, that's a yes. Uh, and the reason that is, is that the metaverse is part of the next generation of the internet. Uh, and what should be exciting to everybody in, in the events industry, and this is what I've been you know, positioning to people in the events industry when I talk all day long about the metaverse. I say the word metaverse a hundred times a day now. I'm not kidding you. Um, <laughs> at least. Uh, and uh, I could tell you that the exciting part for the events industry is this is the first iteration of the internet that is designed based around experiences. That mm -hmm. should be exciting. The, the skills that we have 
in events to understand that in, in three dimension, that architecture matters, that spaces matter, that you put somebody in a space and it makes them feel something. Uh, that taking people through a linear space from this point intentionally to this point intentionally is done with purpose in order to change behavior. These are the things that in the events industry we absolutely all believe and all completely come together on. And that this is the first iteration of the internet that is going to take those principles and apply them to a digital experience. So to me, it's it's not only the next, you know, uh, it's part of the future of events. It's actually the most event-like future that that digital events have had. So in that, I think um, it's it, the real question is is that why you should embrace the metaverse as an event professional. Um, that's the part that I that I would really like want to focus a lot of my you know conversation and adding into this conversation on is that the metaverse, just like we talked about, digital events are not the enemy uh, of live events. Um, met, the metaverse is not the the uh, enemy of li live events either. In fact, it's even closer to uh, being valuable to an event professional. I think. Mm, interesting. I, like. The skills For, matter. Like these are real, like yeah. t the web 2.0, social media and mobile web, looking down at your phone all the time and not being present, right? These are things that we, that we I think, we've all felt or have been antithetical to experience design. You know, you can't, couldn't quite put your finger on why someone looking at their phone all day at your event doesn't feel right. It's because it's transitional. Web 2 is transitional to get to web 3. I'm sure there'll be more things, you know, down the line, but it, the experience is a huge element of it. And then when I talk about the metaverse, I don't talk about just the contribution that like our company is doing into it. There's so many layers. And I think the majority of our time will be spent in metaversal experiences like all day long will be more so than we spend in our phones. Mm. And that that won't be coming through VR, by the way, that'll be coming through AR. I think there, there'll be points for VR to, to uh, for experiences that are completely uh, both digital and uh, fully um, immersive. And I think that there's going to be elements where subtle enhancements to live experiences will come in through the AR. Both will take will be part of Web3 and both are, are metaversal experiences. Mm. I mean, Dustin, designing events where you have the 360 degrees of you know, a real space, a physical space where people were coming together, but you have the ability to augment the experience through programmed content that are visible in very light, like glasses that are no lighter than actual glasses for different personas and adding context to people. Like that to me is, it'd be exciting, right? Like to be mm -hmm. able to, like you can choose what make, works for you, the colors mm -hmm. that work for you or certain people see certain things or gamifying uh, spaces and you know instead of like the awkward gamification we've had uh, in in the past but actually adding a digital layer on top of the real world like to me that's like so many more colors to to paint with when it comes mm -hmm. to but you know, but ar is not what we're talking about we're, they're talking like strap on a vr headset on your head not and like i don't, they, I don't a lot of this like, is but i'll tell you that's yeah. very limited yeah that's yeah, not the I, yeah the, the metaverse is an xr experience it, it is it is a combination of uh, uh, VR and it's a combination of AR. Uh, those are different elements of what, what people talk about the metaverse. The, the, the biggest hurdle and the 
current place we are right now is when people talk about the metaverse versus a metaverse or sometimes called the capital m metaverse versus the lowercase m metaverse the idea is that there is some sort of ready player one universal metaverse where um everyone plays into it at, at the equal uh, footing as if it was the internet but a new internet that will i'll, I'll believe it when i see it you know mm -hmm. maybe you know uh but getting Google and Apple and Facebook to all come together outside of their walled gardens and to open up in order to play well together, you know, I doubt it. But what I think will likely happen is uh, people coming in and out of spaces with lots of assets that they can bring with them that are uh, that have APIs that work within uh, s mm -hmm. uh, similar protocols that that I could believe. Um, but. Like, for instance, you, you don't bring your avatar from Twitter into Facebook, nor is your information in one into another. That's a Web 2 uh, thing. And I think that there'll be less of that in Web 3, but there'll still be some of it. Well, it's interesting, too, about this, like to get you guys thinking and debating about this even further is that like we might be thinking immediately like, oh, yeah, strap on a VR headset, have AR glasses or something like that. But what this article is kind of ar arguing, too, is that it's considering you know, gaming experiences like Fortnite, World of Warcraft to be part of the metaverse experiences. Like the I idea agree. of hosting a conference or a, con a concert inside of Fortnite, for example, is part of that. So, yeah. you know, my question is like, you know, do you guys see yourselves planning events inside of Fortnite or anything like that? Um, and like, a, not like it's easier to think like the VR headsets and that's like, you know, coming very, very soon. But like, also, like in the like what it argues is most metaverse experiences do not require any special headsets or technology. Like, do you see yourself planning it inside of those? And obviously, like all is Expo is an example of one that's special purposely built for conferences. But, you know, can you see yourself utilizing other technologies? Yeah, I think why not? Right. I think let's let's open the doors to the possibilities of, of doing those things different. It's it's not. The conversation we had last week is not lost on me with all of this, where we were talking about how many events just rush back to live and the hybrid components that we thought were going to be automatic that we couldn't live without are not happening at the rate we thought they were. So I think it's it's interesting in this article where it's, you know, it's saying that that hybrid will become the norm and we're not seeing that so far. That has not been the norm. We've watched, you know, we watched tons of work just go back to live without an investment into uh, digital space. So, yeah, I think it's. I I think this is all very very interesting. I think where the opportunity lays is in new events and creating new as opposed to adapting existing events. And that is where this space can be really successful. I think every time we have this conversation, it's always about taking things that already exist and putting them in the virtual AR digital world. And that maybe isn't what the conversation is about. It's a should maybe be more about what can we create new with new technology as opposed to, you know, taking your boring three-day conference and slapping on headsets onto a bunch of 55-year-old engineers that want nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. In, in recreating things, you end up getting something that is, you know, uh, not designed with purpose uh, and not designed purely. Uh, I think when you start something from scratch, especially in a new environment as radically new as this is, uh, it, it has the chance to be pure uh, as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to say, so we, we've been doing three-dimensional trade shows, you know, for a year and a half now, and they're in a space that's a grid and they, there's spaces that are 
10 by 10 and they, you know, yeah, you know, as much as the, the platform's equivalent of that is. Right. And it's not what I would want to do. Um, it's definitely what the client at best feels as though represents something that they understand. But I mean, I had somebody in there, uh, I was giving a tour to who's like this XR association specialist. And uh, they were saying, they're like, why would this be linear? Like, why would it have to be horizontal like this? Like, why couldn't it be this? Or I can like, the answer is it could be. Um, it just takes, you know, creativity from the the side of like what's possible from the client side. And in that instance, new people to things generally are less encumbered by what has to be or what always has been. So I, I'm with you there. Like, I, I would love to create some sort of like MC Escher-esque landscape uh, that would um, make the user want to explore uh, and mm -hmm. want to spend time in something that is not uh, compounded by too much reality. Mm -hmm. Um, these are all opportunities that are definitely up for grabs. Uh, mm -hmm. Really it's about attention, you know, like, can you command attention? Can you, uh, sustain, uh, people's, uh, uh attention and people's need to mm -hmm. want to be in something? Cause and that's what them, we do. And get them to come back. Get them yeah. To, get them to come back is a big deal. So instead like, of doing these, like these environments where you come and you spend an hour or half a day, it's like, wouldn't it be interesting if you built environments that were, that were great enough that it was, that it's a place that you went to explore and to see and to feel. Um, and that is more exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the new, the new product that we have that we're launching very soon is the idea around a, a persistent community space as opposed to the one-off events. And in that instance, the event use case for that is, is the idea of a 365 event, uh, is uh, a place, a home uh, where people uh, would organically be able to create their own uh, opportunities to engage with people, uh, to have programs in the mix, to have all kinds of uh, elements that are coming and going and programmed, but also the opportunities for spontaneous collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, that's an element where the metaverse is much better than like a, a Zoom or even, dare I say, a hop-in, uh, which mm -hmm. is more, I think, uh, best suited for communication on the Zoom side and for content distribution on the hop-in side. Like, I think that both of those things are valid, and I think they're the superlatives of both. I think hop-in's really good at what they do. I think Zoom is really good at what they do. Um, I think that there's room for other types of engagement that are hinged more on experience. And like in the last two and a half years, whatever long it's been, they've been talking about like, okay, event people think like a TV producer, you're producing a program. And it's like, well, we, that's kind of one thing we've done, but we do so much more as event professionals, as experienced designers. Like we, we actually cultivate, um, you know, a landscape that makes people feel things. And those skills sort of got muted when you pushed it through a square. Uh, I think that the metaverse will give you the opportunity at probably even less burden uh, and like less um, creativity um, gaps. Uh, like I mean, Dustin, you can you can start creating spaces, you know, in other worlds or without mm -hmm. gravity or like there's no limits to storytelling. Mm -hmm. Potential no geographical and boundaries. There's no, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. And again. I'm never, I, we don't, we don't replace live events. Like digital events don't replace live events. There's, but there's so many more opportunities to connect with people 
uh, and they only really replace ones that are bad. Like I, I really think that if, if, if a virtual event replaced a live event, it's only because the live event wasn't meant to be in the way it was done. Like if you're not with all the things that live events have over virtual events, uh, if you can't design something like that, that is, you know, takes those things into account, then yeah, your events weak. That's my opinion. Like, I really believe that like, there's so much like stacked in the favor of live events that if you're not just honing in on those elements, then it's a weak event and yeah, it might, it might fall under. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I love <clears throat> the idea of being able to take all these tools and put them in the toolbox. Now that, that is what is really exciting. And when we talk about lessons learned over the last two years and the way that technology has adapted to our environment and we're not dragging technology along with us and that I think is really exciting. And I think that all of this potential in the metaverse is just more tools for us to use, whether that is creating new experiences, whether that is enhancing existing experiences. Um, I think it's all, I think it's all really exciting. And I think that, you know, as event profs, we should be embracing this and we should be encouraging more of this. Will it work for everything? No. Does it mean that every event prof needs to know exactly what all this stuff means? No, probably not. Maybe in your market or your clientele, this doesn't mean anything to them. But I also think that it's really important that we need to um, we need to learn to adapt. We need to make sure that we are aware of what's out there and how we can use it. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that's maybe that's where this article, the way it's written, is like, well, it's you know, I think the world, the world is not going to be metaverse events. It's going to be a a great blend. And you know, talk to me in ten years. Yeah, I mean, who who knows how much of this is driven by SEO or or whatever else? But I, I do think that's an interesting jumping off point. I think it's it's a it's the concept of the metaverse is mature enough, I think, uh, in, in a definition, if not implementation, to be able to discuss it and prepare for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, like the carrot at the end of the stick is, I've been saying to event people, is that, you know, that your, your skills will be useful in this mm -hmm. environment, more so than they were in the last iteration of the internet. I mean, as much as social media was about um, aggregation of data and uh and mobile experiences were about, you know, 5G and, and streaming of, of uh, content. Um, the, the pillars of the metaverse are really about the architecture in order to make you uh, mm -hmm. feel immersed. And, you know, when you talk about anything that is in multiple dimensions or it takes in multiple senses and is about emotional impact and change, I mean, those are our words. So I think... I think it's a good time for us to get involved. And I, I would, I would say, you know, do some research on this. Um, there, there's a lot of different plays on, on the metaverse too. It, I think that it's very narrowly defined by most people as being a, a sort of uh, insular VR experience uh, for like activations, but it actually, there's so many variations on mm -hmm. uh, what it could be uh, and also more so on what it will be um, that, uh, it's 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 cool that we can like be in this place that we can see a heads up of what's coming. It, mm -hmm. I don't think Web two was as forecast out as Web three is is. Can you can you break that down for the audience? Sure. Yeah. So there's there's three iterations uh, as as it's being and for me. Sure. <laughs> so if you think of Web one, Web one point uh, as your your sort of the internet becomes commercialized and it's available on a uh, a fairly novel idea of a home computer. That's where you uh, are online and you are consuming 
the internet. You are cons- purely a consumer. You're, you're stars of that show, your prodigies, your AOLs, your Yahoos. It's like the static, uh, the static AOL homepage that you came to, and it literally almost never changed. It was correct, static. Right. Yeah, Definitely. often walled gardens. Not necessarily. Eventually, we get into the World Wide Web and uh, standardized protocols, uh, standardized um, uh, HTTP protocols, etc. Uh, then, around two thousand, let's say four to two thousand eight, you have the emergence of what's called Web two. Uh, and there's a bunch of different elements that that made the second generation of the internet. But the idea that the internet could be put in your pocket, and you could be consuming the internet anywhere you are, coupled with the, probably the other second biggest player. Uh, there's also some e-commerce elements that are like tangential, but like the, the second biggest player really to Web two is the idea of social media, where instead of you exclusively being a consumer of the internet, you're now a producer of content. Everyone. Um, that that was a kind of a, a transition too. So that that's where we've been uh, for the last like 12, 15 years. And then Web3 has a bunch of different elements. We'll see which ends up being like the two biggest stars, the three-dimensional consumption of the internet uh, via lots of different means, be it uh, usually XR, which is like like the kind of like AR, VR, and, on, and other realities. Um, that exist uh, in addition to potentially even web or, or applicate or apps uh, on your desktop or, or mobile device. Uh, but really, it's the three-dimensional uh, presence-related uh, experiential uh, internet browsing uh, and uh, participatory. Uh, and now you are a participant as opposed to someone who is uh, a content creator. Now, participant means you can participate in the economy of it. You can participate in the in the um, data that you have, that the data is yours uh, versus uh, Web2, which obviously we know that there's only a few players that own most of the data and uh, lots of other decentralization concepts that are a big part of uh, where the future of the Internet is going, including cryptocurrency, NFTs and things like that. Those are all like little elements that are making a new generation of the internet, like new, new stars, new players, uh, and new default ways of doing things. Like to say to somebody, my website is only available on a desktop. Right now, you'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. But it was an obvious thing in Web One, and saying that like I don't have a, a you know, a, I don't have an app or I don't have a uh, a social media presence, but you can see me on Decentraland. Seems a little weird now, but probably won't be in a, in a couple of years. You can come. You can come to visit my um, my uh, plot of land in a De- in Decentraland. Maybe um, maybe end up something that people say frequently instead of a website because a website may may be antiquated. Mm-hmm. I doubt it. I think a lot of two D elements will survive Web three uh, and and live on just because of um, the ability to you know, get, uh, get access to them. But who knows? I mean, even the interface of um, Web2, the idea of uh, using your fingers to text primarily, and and uh, uh, that seems antiquated in, in what people are talking about as far as the, the more natural interface of Web3, where um, there's a lot of work being done in neural interfacing uh, in order to have uh, slight gestures that you use your hands plus audio or vocal. Uh, I'd say not even to... that, just video and audio like becoming way more common now too. Yeah, that, that's already transitioning there for sure. But like, so there's some elements that makes it a little, obviously if anyone's had to yell at their, you know, uh, their devices uh, over and mm-hmm. over again, they know there's some limitations there. But some of the the testing that's even Meta is doing with the, um, 
the sensory input. I mean, it's, it's the slightest gestures to to change things in the air or just with your fingers on a wristwatch, and all of a sudden you're doing things. And you couple that with AR, and that's going to be your life. Your life is going to be mm-hmm. um, where you know. Show me restaurants, and you'll be able to look through your glasses and see uh, the the thing that you see, but overlaid with where the restaurants are, and you just walk to it with a, a walking steps that take you there. I mean, think about how the, the idea of a lot of the uh, AR is, is to remove the clunkiness of looking at a phone and typing things with your thumbs. Like it's all it's all going to look ridiculous in the past. Like we're going to look at photos right. of, of this 15 year era and people looking at their right. phones constantly. It'll be like, like, it'll be like thinking about looking through a phone book today. Yeah. Like, why would you ever, why would you ever, why did we ever do that? Cause we had <laughs> to, analogy. but they come in the mail still. Like there, there's still these like things that are from another era. So that that's why we're in, like when they talk about the metaverse, we're in a stage called the emerging metaverse. Uh, and it's a generation, you know, and, and in that generation, we're, we're having like what you said, as far as like, uh, I don't know, uh, Fortnite, uh, like Fortnite was a video game and it evolved into a platform. Uh, and then that platform evolved into an experience platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they deliver on experience. They yeah. had, I mean, that, that one instance, I mean, they haven't really, you know, there's a bunch of asterisks associated with mm-hmm. this, but more or less they had more people consuming that than watch right. the Oscars that same year. I say that a lot, but I, it, right. it's just a, it's a line in the sand. It, it will be like when the history of this time period, it'll be one of those things mm-hmm. you, know, that you said that like people put headsets on or they went in there and they watched a, like a, you know, went into a quote unquote video game in order to watch a musician play. Like, tell me that 20 years ago. And I'd be like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, that's totally. terrible. Mm. Totally. Well, next week, everybody on the Event Tech Podcast will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm curious from from you two fellows. I think you might be the most equipped to answer this question. If, sorry, Tui, because you and I cannot. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I'm learning I, so much right now. I you and I cannot answer this question. So, with empathy for the listener in mind that is getting bombarded with these articles that are telling you that the future of your industry, the future of your work is going to be in the metaverse. And, and you're looking at this and you're going, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I I learned how to use zoom. I did the webinars. (laughs) Like I did all the things. And now, and now this, like what, what should event profs really be paying attention to right now? And what, like, where in this does your average, including myself, average good old event prof that just wants to do great work like what how should we stay educated because i and i asked that question because those kids that are playing Fortnite eventually will become our clients and their expectations are going to be very very different and it's not going to be long before somebody calls you up and says hey i want to plan an event in the metaverse i don't think that they're going to fully understand what that means but it's going to start happening so what do you think? What do you think that, you yeah. know, average Sally and Joe that are listening to this that are like, what the hell? I got to retire from this industry because I can't keep up. Don't, <laughs> don't retire. You can. Either one. Don't retire. Is, yeah, I, I, don't. I, I, I was gonna say I got a good answer for this one. Like I, I know you're making the the oh, I don't know uh, face stick. Um, I think the first thing you got to do is like, if your learning experience about these things needs to be like in a safe. world time like if you don't try to like learn about the metaverse while planning an event in the metaverse like that's just a really big disaster or recipe for disaster i would recommend you know like if you haven't ever put a vr headset on put one on take go find someone who knows has a headset 
you probably know someone and let them like show it to you for a couple hours, let you play around with it, see what you like, what you don't like, you know, like um, if you've never, you know, uh, experienced Fortnite before, find someone who has and ask them to show you what it means to go to a concert in Fortnite. Like, I think those are the, the, the areas where I get the exposure is like, is by being like, yeah, I don't really know anything about crypto. Like me, instead of just reading about it, well, why don't I, like, I decided to buy a mining rig, build a mining rig. And, you know, I'm learning, I have, it forces me to kind of like learn it as a hobby. And it allows me to be in a safe place that like, if someone came to me and said, I want to accept cryptocurrency for my next conference, I'm not like over here being like, well, how do I make sure this is safe? How do I make sure we're picking the right coin? You know, it allows me to be like, well, I, I already kind of osmosisly learned it. So I think that's the biggest thing is I've noticed that. And I, and I think they did a good job at a lot of these uh, industry conferences having headsets and things. But like you're in a conference in an environment where everyone wants to talk to you and it's a you know social experience and you're putting a headset on that's not the place to learn about vr it's where someone can hand you a headset put you in a game and let you play around and then just leave you to like have play for an hour that's where you're going to get a chance to really experience it and not feel the pressure of like there's people waiting on me there's a line to go use it that sort of thing but really immerse yourself in it so that's my thoughts nick what do you think what do you think cat uh <laughs> uh i would say uh Yes. Uh, two things. One, uh, to double down on what Will said, definitely play. Playing around is is underutilized as a uh, as a way to make things less intimidating, like go into a situation where there's no stakes and look for the part that you connect with. That's fun for you through that portal of fun and effortlessness, like the, the corner of it that is not, you know, uh, troubling for you or awkward for you like the part of it that you like think about that part because that might be your play and your corner into it that's one uh, and the second is so i've had the opportunity um to interview in the last few months a bunch of people who are like metaverse experts from companies like adobe and google and um gartner uh nokia and um when i tell them you know, some of the stuff that we're doing with the metaverse, they're like, oh, cool, whatever, you know, like that's, that's, that's definitely what people are doing. But then I tell them I have a, a background in experience design with live events. They go, Ooh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a different play because everyone else is coming from video games. So what do you think about this? What do you think? And all of a sudden I'm somebody important to them because not because of what I know about the technologies of which, you know, I'm catching up, uh, you know, to, to get eventually to more closer to their level. Um, but they're way more fascinated with my point of view as someone who understands how to create experiences. So I guess I would tell people is like the people who are working in the metaverse right now, they need you. They need the way you think. And, and I, I say, what do you focus on? I would say get a base understanding of it. It's three-dimensional experiences and three-dimensional uh, places that are built. But you can partner with those people because there's a lot of those people. But what there isn't is people that understand how to create an experience with a purpose and a goal. Because what a lot of them do, and I can see it with the UX, a lot of people that we're competing with is they clearly are aping off some off of other people in their environment. So they're looking at video games and they're mm -hmm. saying, OK, let's build our avatars off what everybody usually does. And uh, but they don't stop and say like like we do and say, OK, let's stop everything. 
start from scratch. What is the goal? What is the this? They're so copycatty, so thinking that there are rules to things. And we know that there's not like mm -hmm. there, there's absolutely anything from a creative perspective is possible, mm -hmm. especially if you do it from a point of, point of view of moving an attendee or in this instance, a user into a change in behavior, into what you know a client would want or whatever. I'm telling you, all those skills, the metaverse people, the people that are building them, like they mm -hmm. don't quite understand that there's going to be a place for you. And, and, and in a way that there wasn't in the last version of the internet and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. So like there's people that are having all these really expensive activations that are taking place in some of the, like the third party open worlds, like Decentraland, like what Justin said, someone's going to ask you to do something for the metaverse. My, my gut says the first thing they're going to ask you to do is to create some kind of stand or some kind of awareness for a brand within specifically Decentraland, but it could be some other platform. And you you don't really need to know the platform as much as you think. Like go in and play around with it so you, you're like at least base level understanding. So you're not like scared of what that word means. You know, just play around in it. But after that, you're like, okay, who are these people? What what are they like? Uh, what 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 do they, you know, what do you want them to think? How do you want them and take the three-dimensional uh, design that you know how to do with with how objects make people feel and how lighting makes people feel and how hospitality makes people feel. Take all of those things and say, what if in these spaces? And, and then you ask the people who are actually you know designing these spaces that, that you'd be working with, what if we had somebody greet somebody? And what if we had somebody do this? Because I'm telling you, I said stuff like that, like hospitality stuff. And people right. were like, oh my gosh, yeah, we could have a person do that. Like we usually have a bot or we usually have a sign. No, no, no. What if there was a person that created you? They were like, oh, that would be better. And it's like, well, yeah, like we know that, right? Those are the kind of things that this world thinks um, you are a genius uh, for bringing up. And the reality is, is that you're just doing the thing you know works. It's the same idea. So uh, I would say, A, don't be excited. B, play around. Or I'm sorry, don't be scared. Number two, play around in a, in a risk-free environment. Just, you know, uh, buy an Oculus or uh, just start going in some of these platforms that just, you know, even the web app versions of it. And then three, be the expert in the thing that you know. Don't worry about being a metaverse expert. Be an experience expert. It 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 actually survives Zoom. It survives every, every platform requires or is better with someone who's good at experience design. Tui, what do you think? Can we do it, Tui? What do you think? Well, the last 43 minutes, all I kept thinking about was <laughs> The Sims and and Rosebud and just like I, I couldn't stop experience designing. So, Nick, actually you saying all of that really helps bring hope to our industry, knowing that, you know, we do have the core competencies. We have the right questions to ask. And it's not as scary. It's wild that I was just at TSC and CaterSource running circles around Joanne, our RO and Larry King talking about hashtags and memes and now we're like in the metaverse and so it's new to all of us and so what Will was saying being exposed to it just having that content there so that on your free time you can just be playful in that space be able to to educate yourself versus it coming right then and there and these um the people who are creating this metaverse, I, I just hope that they're not making pillars in conference rooms and ballrooms. And then, then we come along. I Hopefully we can be at the forefront of that saying, OK, in order to get this true experience. And oh then the God, other thing amazing. is we're always we're always focused about, you know, a one to three day program events. Something that I would love, especially because I've been working remote now for the last year and a half. I would love a platform kind of like an Aussie where it's um, 
designed with not missing those those opportunities to truly connect. And I, I mean that when I would love, and so for all of us just say jumping in on, on a video conference, I would love to like make my avatar for the day, uh, you know, what I'm going to wear, go into this virtual platform, sit at the conference table virtually, come in early so then I can talk to that VP or that CMO and say, and have that moment of connection. I feel like those are what's missing in the experience design. Yes, to get the content out, you have objectives, but there is that social that community based like lack that, of scheduled time almost. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like that, that experience within there. So that's the whole, what I was thinking the whole time. So then question now to all you guys is what, what should our homework be then? What's one thing that we can do before listening to next week's episode? You know, what's something that we can, we can better our industry and not feel so overwhelmed. If anything, it's so exciting, but there's so many possibilities. Give us one simple thing that we're going to go and download or do or one thing before next week. Uh, plug, Nick, uh, go check out All Seeds Expo and play around in it. Uh, I think that's one good place to start off with. So that's one of my first homeworks is like see some example of this being used in the industry. Um, and he didn't pay me to say that. I just think it's a, a, a great example of it. Um, but I would say, you know, <laughs> normally I'd say like go track out Decentraland and play around with it. But how about the better one is um, go find someone with a VR headset and ask to be pl to play Rec Room. Because I think Rec Room is a very easy to use platform that has multiple games inside of it. And, you know, it's it's very simple so everyone can get down with it. But you'll get to see what interaction making friends looks like in a VR experience with your headset mm -hmm. on. Um, and I think that's a good one. Just go try out Rec Room. That's a good one. I think that if you have school age kids, go to wherever they are right now and ask them what they're playing. And take a look at what it is that they're engaged in and what they're playing. Not going to judge if you don't already know. You should probably know. But I think <laughs> that I think that like I don't I don't have kids, so I don't I got to go figure it out for myself. But if you have kids, they're already in this world, and they can probably teach you a lot about it. My son taught me uh, Roblox, of which I use today uh, on uh, a, a shared screen on my phone to share to my computer to show our UX UI guy. Uh, a, a way that uh, that you could bring in content uh, through how they did it. So like oh. that was like my son helping me figure that out. Uh, so yeah, I think that's definitely a way to do it. I, I say also, um, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, alt, uh, alt Space VR in uh, Oculus, uh, which is nice. a Microsoft thing. And uh, so I go in there and I just like listen in on conversations uh, that are open conversations for the public, but like people design spaces to accentuate their convert uh, to way that they like present and there's a calendar on there you could just drop into these events that take place and they're, they're like ahead of time in there but like they're all over the place like um there's one on like how to manage your money through lessons from hamilton uh there is one from how to uh, how to build 3d spaces there's like religious ones there's uh food but like go in there and like watch people naturally communicating and telling stories uh, and using the spaces that they've designed in order to get their uh, ideas across, it will inspire you to like fire up your design mind. And you're like, okay, if I had a space like this, how would I, you know, do it? Like I went through one that was about that the, this uh, guy named Doug did. That was amazing. That was a 3d space. And he had uh, all of these uh, walls uh, that you would walk through, but like, instead of having one deck move around, like we all, 
followed him around and he did like a linear conversation like that. Uh, and if we, depending on how we answered certain questions, he either went left or right in one room that was dedicated to like a bunch of ideas around one thing or another. Super cool. But he used the 3D landscape as a way to tell stories and a way to educate. And it just opened up some ideas for me, you know, in the way I, I think that like that's the kind of stuff that would, would really fire up the potential of this for you is to say like, you know, in 2D landscapes for, for digital conversations are really wanting in their mm -hmm. ability to uh, to tell stories and, and to connect. Uh, get, put yourself in some 3D ones and say, like, how would you I love how that. would you move that across? Yeah. And what would you do with this space if you had no limits and no limits? Think, there are no limits. Of, think of a client that you have and say, what could we do with this space? How cool yeah. would it be if we dropped them in that? And what would that look like? And and go the through clients those exercises. Will provide the limits eventually. Yeah. <laughs> the money will provide the limits. The yeah, budget exactly. will be the limit. Yeah. But, awesome. but start with start with that, you know, and uh, I, I really I, I think that I, I the reason I gravitated so hardcore to this metaverse concept uh, is that it's um, it's the best of all worlds uh, and it's all the people I know and all their skills. They actually get to scale them uh, and and have many more applications for what they know how to do with, uh, you know, just partnering up with people. And and now that I've seen the people that are actually making these things are like desperate for the, the way that mm -hmm. we think it's like, oh, we could mm -hmm. this could be our this could be our moment. Yeah, I love that. Um, Tui, we have our homework. Good. We're I'm glad. Play. We're gonna fun. do it. We're gonna go play. Good, I, I love. Perfect spot to end. What do you think, guys? Yes, yeah. I think yeah. so for sure. We'd love to hear from you all too, because we know that the, the varying levels of involvement. We have some probably some Web three experts listening, but we also got some people who learned what the Web three was today too. But we'd love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are, um, questions, comments, concerns. Eventbrew at helloendless.com is our email address. We read each and every one of your emails, and also you can always. Tag us on social, hashtag event brew. We'd love to hear from you as well. But hosts, Dustin, Tui, Nick, always a pleasure getting to chat with you guys in uh, the Web 2.0 world for now. <laughs> Maybe eventually in the future, the Web 3.0 no, world. That's where I draw the line. Okay. <laughs> I put up with all your apps and all your constant changing platforms. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Now you have us on live camera promoting your new venture. I think, you, I think you've taken enough from us. All right. All right. You're right. Well, I guess I'll just, uh, you know, have to hack your device and make it so you can come join me in the Web 3 world, force Sounds you into certificate. You do it for me. I'm up for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening as well. Shoot us an email, and we'll look forward to seeing you all next time on Event That's terrible. I don't know who. Why do we even let you do that? Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew. <laughs>